Mechaim, for those in the middle of their morning coffee. Ah, what an incredible day today. New York weather. For those that are here in the East Coast, it's like 80s. This is my zone. You know, I'm half Syrian. Actually, actually I'm fully Syrian because it goes by your dad. I don't know. There's a lot of desert inside me. There's a lot of that Sephardi who just loves the warm weather. My wife is a total Ashkenazi, God bless her. She likes it when it's like cold-ish. Her favorite time of the year is like fall turning to winter. My favorite time of the year, honestly, some people that think I'm nuts, is like hot summer. It's like it's 100 degrees outside. I don't know what it is. So happy summer, everybody. Summer is chugging through end of June. For those who are tuning in live, happy Tuesday. For those that are tuning in on demand, whenever you tune in, thanks so much for tuning in. We've been speaking a lot about these, these concepts that I think we're going to try to close out today. It's these ideas of understanding who we are. If you think through our two most basic needs, their competence, or we would call on our show significance, and connectivity. Both of these needs are given to us spiritually. It's all part of the creation process. The the, the the way we were created, the way that the Torah speaks to her created. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just for those of you who are on Zoom, I'm sorry to digress. Andy is posting genetics about who likes dry heat or to chill. The, the level of commentary that you get for those that are here live, it's unbelievable. Andy, please just make sure Facebook Live gets your wisdom as well. So this way, whoever is watching this live can get it. We have these two components to us. It's how we were created. We were created in a very specific way. Nothing that happens is just happens because. We could have like sort of floated down as angels and sort of just congealed into bodies, which is probably more indicative of how the process really works. We were created in a very specific way because part of our creation story is our own human evolution. That evolution meaning our own personal growth. And in that concept of our growth, as we navigate spiritual and physical, we've, we've, we're left with these two basic core needs. Now, remember, we have these core needs because it's trying to drive us somewhere. It's critical to recognize that the fact that we have a need means we have to go there. Right? Needs are created for us to skate towards that side of the ice so that we can become something. If we wouldn't have a need to connect, we would basically live in isolation our whole lives. This need to connect, this desire for other people, this all the things that we have are really ways that we can leverage our core internal spiritual needs to become more in this world. The ambition to go from the dirt to the sky, if you will, to grow in significance is critical because if we wouldn't have that ambition, we would be sitting around not getting out of bed. The desire to connect people is how you create families and societies that function in a very intricate way that's greater than, 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 than each of the parts. But we have to understand that along the way of fulfilling these needs, there are traps. There are digressions. There are counterfeit gives. You can always go to the microwave before you go to the oven. You can always get something cheap before you get it expensively. It's how life works. If you have anything in life that is 
good quality and so to speak high price not that they're always connected but even let's let's assume they are for this there's always a knockoff available so that's how life works on the path to significance there's always the ability to get a symbol instead there's always the ability to become arrogant and to rely on things so that we people demand us attention and demand us to feel significant versus actually being significant. You can always pay for your name up in lights to compensate for the fact that your name doesn't belong up in lights. Or you can always guilt somebody or force your way to get your whatever you want done because you're compensating the fact that you don't really feel like you deserve it. This idea of significance is giving, which means you may not get it back. Now, I don't mean, and this is a lot of the questions that I'm getting midweek is, well, what about if you don't get it back? What about if you don't get it back? What about, what if you become a rag? Like in, in Yiddish, it's called a shmata. There's a huge fear in our world that if I give myself to other people, I'm going to get, I'm going to get knocked in the face. I hear it. I'm not saying where you're from. I can tell you where I'm from. I walk, sometimes I walk the streets of Manhattan. If you're not going fast enough, they're bowling over you. I've, I've, you know, I spent a lot of my, my whole life is in the business world. I've had plenty of times where I've given myself to somebody and I've gotten whacked in return. Hopefully never again, but I've had it in the past. I'm not saying no, don't do it with common sense. I'm not saying do it to everybody indiscriminately, but I am saying err on that side err on the side of the giver. You'd be surprised. God runs this world. He knows exactly what he's doing. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised just how much when we err on the side of giving versus taking, just how much that comes back to us. Significance is really a measure in how much we give to this world. How much we use the ambition to make a difference, to make a change in someone's life, to contribute what I believe I can give to the benefit of others. That's really what it is. And when you do that, it feels that way. When you take your natural talents and try to apply them to be benefiting more people than yourself, it feels different. Sometimes you get it back and sometimes you don't, but either way, you grow, you change. We usually err on the side of taking care of ourselves. I don't think that's the right, I don't think on the margins we gotta go that way. I think that's the difference. I think the difference is, is that when it's clearly going to get taken advantage of, come on, when it's clearly the people that love you, easy. It's that middle ground. I think when you err in that middle ground on the side of like, and what about for me? And what about for me? And what about for me? I think in that middle ground, if we would skate to the right versus the left, it would be a, it would be a measurable difference in, in the world around us. And you have to do that. And if you get burnt, you adapt. But for the most of our day to be, how can I build my own significance? How can I collect the symbol? It leaves us wanting because we're not fully filling our needs. And when we spend our days doing things that are in the benefit of people beyond ourselves, we sharpen our saw a lot tighter than we think. And we become bigger people than we think. And we usually get more in the end. You when you stop keeping score, you usually get more. 
Oh, that rhymes. I didn't even realize that. On the flip side, you have connectivity, connection. And in the world of connection, you have the real thing, which is giving, loving, connecting to somebody else for who they are, giving the value you have to somebody else, finding a way to be beneficial to the people around you, trying to humble self for other. This is in the world of empathy, trying to be with people. But along the way of that, you there's a trap, and the trap of that is attention. Attention is to connect to you requires effort. So as opposed to connecting to you in a real way, I'm just going to like, I want to just feel it. I want to feel the eyeballs on me. And if I feel the eyeballs on me, I'm getting that little hit of connection. It's not real connection because the eyeballs on me are really only about themselves. So I'm looking at you for you to look at me and you're looking at me because I'm delivering something for you. And we're really not giving to each other. We're not really connecting. We're just pretending. So if I stand up on stage or in a concert or whatever it is, and people are looking, if a person stands in front of others and they're looking, it feels like they're connecting, but they're not really connecting. They're not really connecting because connection is giving. The person on stage, listen, the person on stage could be giving. That's fine. The celebrity could be giving. That's fine. That's okay. I'm saying in a typical scenario, if somebody's up on stage for themselves, they're thinking about themselves. And people in the audience are thinking about themselves. So it's a disconnect, really. It's counterfeit. It's the knockoff. And you can get lost in that world real quick of attention, attention, attention. And it's so quick that as soon as you get a little bit of it, you start to get addicted to it. Just like as soon as you get a little bit of candy, you get addicted to candy because the, the quick sugar high feels so much quicker in the moment than actual real food. That's why kids eat dessert and not dinner. I don't know about yours, but my kids, then half my, a lot of my children don't show up for dinner. We make dinner, they sit around, they're not there. All of a sudden, dessert comes in, they flock in. How come? Because they're kids. So kids don't have that thinking. So to them, it's that initial hit of material pleasure that is so much more valuable than the slow growth of a healthy body. They can't think this way. So they're going to pick dessert over dinner 10 out of 10 times. And we look at them and we're like, you got to eat your dinner. As if like, you know, we are the brilliant, we're, we're like the, like the wise men and women of understanding how to delay pleasure in order to create real growth and real health. But when it comes to our lives, which is, do I forego attention seeking for actual giving? Am I foregoing that hit of pleasure when people look? Versus the real thing. When Tim, I'm a real person. When I'm able to be really giving to other people. You know why this is so critical for? Because what, what we're trying to build, and this is it, if we can just get this, we're trying to build in ourselves a person that doesn't need the world to make us feel valuable. When we can find the value in what we're giving and that becomes what we take the pleasure in. What's happening is I no longer need people to feel valuable because if I need you to feel valuable, then I am now in some way subject to your feelings. I am subject to your mood. I am subject to your whims. If every time a 
if, if, a, if a player needs to win to feel the roar of the crowd, to feel valuable, then he is subject to the roar of the crowd or the trophy. If a person needs people to laugh or to view or to like or whatever it is, if I need the, the, the money to come in, if I need my kids to say you're great, if I need my wife to say you're if I need the people around me to tell me how great I am in order to feel great, then now I am subject to them. You see that? So watch how this plays. Remember, we had three basic needs. Same with me. Mastery, connectivity, connection, and autonomy. You have a basic need to be autonomous. Autonomous means that we are independent, but I thought we said we want to be connected. But if you really think about it, autonomous means that we are independent of needing people to survive. And at the core, we hate when people direct us, when people tell us what to do. In the typical psychological way of understanding autonomy, it's we hate when someone says, go left, then we go left, then go right, and then go right. We hate that. We want to decide on our own where to go. But on a much deeper level, what's really going on is that we hate the fact or we dislike the fact that for me to feel like I'm valuable, I need other people to tell me that. I need the society that I'm in to give me the symbol so that I can put it on my back, the resume, the letter after my name. There are people out there still in school incurring thousands of dollars of debt, not because they're trying to grow their education. There are that are. Some of them are there because they need the letters, because in the society that they're in, without those letters, they do not feel valuable. And then one person in the community goes, forget the letters, finds value someplace else, and all of a sudden nobody goes for letters anymore. That was all the time. I need it to feel valuable versus I want to grow. Great. I want to challenge myself. Great. Go to school for your whole life. Study every second of your life. I, 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 I would love that. But if I need you to look at me, if I need you to tell me how great I am, if I need you to, 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 to constantly pat me back, if I need to call my friend and download my day so that she can tell me, you know, you're fine, no, you're fine, no, you're fine. And because it, oh, it's one thing to have friends and schmooze with, but because of that, now I feel like I'm fine. What I'm doing is I am now connecting, I'm subjecting myself to the presence of others. So that means there's a piece of me, my soul, my, my infinitely valuable soul that can't get realized because I need other people to realize it for me. And in that level, I'm not autonomous. True autonomy, that third core need is being able to be somewhere. And no matter what the world says, no matter what the person does, you deep down know that you're valuable because you're, you've spent so much of your life giving that you realize that that's who you really are. And what you get is just gravy. When what you get back is just the gravy of your life, not the necessities of your life, when what you get back is the icing on the cake and not the cake itself, you get to enjoy what you get back and be grateful for it. If somebody hands you a card for your birthday and you expected nothing, you feel great. If you expected a party, you feel terrible. What's the difference? The difference is your perspective. If you expect the world to deliver for you all the time, you're constantly upset. 
If you walk in the room and expect the attention, if you're doing things to manufacture the attention, if you walk in the room and you expect the symbol, if you do, if all we're doing is trying to get the world to deliver to us, and if they don't, we feel less then we need it, then we're not autonomous to them, then our moods change by what goes on around us. That's why some days you have a great day, some days you have a bad day, because someday the world says you're great, and someday the world says you're not. And depending on what the world says, is depending on how we feel. And it could be lots of ways the world speaks. Sometimes we hit a challenge. And for the most part, and in some challenges that we have, we can get through it. It's the rest of it that's the problem. It's how it looks. We're all like this. I'm like this. I'm always like this. We're all like this. Unless you're a really evolved human being, unless you've been doing this for a long time, we're all like this. But think about what we're giving up. We're giving up our autonomy. We're giving up a life where you walk around and you feel secure in who you are, not in what you do, in who you are. There are people like this that, that, that have spent time building this and they could do something and say something. They're not moved by the whims of others. They're so folk. Some people do this because they can care less. I'm not talking about those people. I'm not those people that walk in, say whatever they want, and are so socially clueless that they can hurt somebody and like, what? What did I say? I'm not talking about that. Sometimes that's an issue that they have in themselves. God should heal them. And sometimes it's an issue that they developed. I'm not talking about those people. They roll into a room comment on something, have no regard for somebody else's feelings, and then roll out and be like, what? What did I say? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking that person that walks in and is so confident in who they are. They spend so much of their lives working themselves out that they really can gain their simcha, gain their happiness by their ability to be giving to others by who they are. The next level. It's the next the level that we can get to. We can. If we work, we can get there. So here's what I, do, I want to do before we close this out. Because tomorrow we got to get some more practical stuff. If you notice that we had the, the worksheets, if you don't have it, uh, just email me, charlie at charlierari, and I'll get it to you. Remember we had this exercise three. It's called giving and taking. It's this one here. And what, what, what we did here was when we talk about the be what you want to be, there's a, there's a column that says, are you giving or are you taking? One thing that's so critical, I want to give two, I want to, I want to discuss two sort of like web, um, tools that we have. One of the most important tools that we have is called truth. Now truth is hard because we don't really want to find truth because sometimes when we find truth, it hurts. We'd rather, we'd rather feel good, so to speak, than find truth because if we find the truth and truth disagrees with us, it, it hurts. So we have what's called confirmation bias. What that basically says is, I'm not really looking for truth. There's so much stimuli out there. I'm just looking for the things that confirm what I already know. I know what I know, and now just you gotta, you gotta prove me that I'm right the whole time. So when you do an exercise like this, you can really mess it up because it could always be, I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving. And the reason we do this is because you're scared that if you say you're taking, then you have to change. Don't do that. Just find truth. Forget changing. First get to the level of truth. Try to see if we can like get in here and say, this is what it is. I'll, maybe, I, maybe I'll change it, maybe I won't. But the more you start to fight for truth, the more you're able to make better decisions. So we'll, we'll close this out tomorrow about truth and bias. Because if you understand that, it'll, it'll help in everything that we're doing. But until then, try doing this, by the way.
try to spend a few minutes either with the charts or without the charts. Take something that you're doing or that you do consistently and try to figure out if you're doing it for, for you, you're taking attention, symbols, whatever, or you're giving. Just figure out what parts of your life, and if you really want to find an area, find an area that you're constantly upset about. Find an area that you're constantly finding yourself like always mad at or frustrated with or find those areas and look to see why you're doing them. And try to find the points that are basically just giving, uh, taking. And just write them down. I'm doing this because I want attention. That's okay. You're a human. But just the fact that you know it is like 80 yards down the field. And if we do this, we start getting much clearer in our mind. We create distinctions. We start empowering ourselves through our mind. We start being able to make better decisions. Life isn't murky. Our feelings aren't murky. We become much more clear, delineated in how we think and how we talk and enable us to really change. So we'll talk a little bit more about that with God's help. Cognitive biases, truth. This is critical stuff because if we get it, It'll help us navigate everything. All right, everybody. If you want to, if you're listening to this, remember it's every day on Zoom, on um, on Facebook, my Facebook and Momentum, and then it's again on demand on in my Instagram and my LinkedIn and my uh, Twitter. All right, everybody. Have an awesome, awesome day. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a great day, and with God's help, I look forward to seeing you again tomorrow.